this is Mark Graben. Welcome to episode 220 of Lean Blog Audio. This is a post from August 14th, 2017, titled, Does Being Giddy with Knowledge About Wine or Lean Cause Problems? Now, I enjoy, if you will, Gemba visits uh, to wineries and vacations often focus on this walking, tasting, and learning. I usually read the wine column that's in the Wall Street Journal each Saturday, and uh, here's an article that stood out to me. It was titled, Do You Have What It Takes to Be a Sommelier? And I'm, I'm butchering that. I apologize. Uh, I'll just say Psalm. Uh, it's easier um, to say. So the article here, again, the headline was, Do You Have What It Takes to Be a Psalm? Superstar Psalms are entering the spotlight, but what does it really take to pop corks for a living? And how can a Psalm make or break your dining experience? Now, I happen to be friends with a couple of formerly trained Psalms who work in the field. They're in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, and they are, to me, experts in wine. Um, they are at the second level out of four in the official Psalm certification system. I learn a lot from them, and like any good coach, they don't make you feel bad for knowing less than they do. There are perhaps some parallels between the process for passing through the various levels of SOM training and certification, which are level one, introductory, level two, certified SOM, level three, advanced SOM, and level four, master SOM. There's a process of lifelong learning and professional advancement along the way, just as you would have in a Six Sigma or a Lean Six Sigma belt system that might progress white belt, green belt, black belt, master black belt, there's sometimes additional colors of belts, which can get silly at times, but there's a progression as there also would be in the industry standard lean certification that goes from bronze, silver to gold. Now, certification can be a controversial topic in the lean community. Um, there are 91 comments on a post of mine from 2009 that I've linked to in the post for this episode, which you can find at leanblog.org slash audio 220. Toyota doesn't offer belts, they though they certainly focus on developing employees and leaders. I've heard of them certifying their employees in certain problem solving or improvement processes, but it's not a belt system. Lifelong learning doesn't necessarily mean labels or certifications. Tracy and Ernie Richardson write about this focus on development in their new book, which I really love. It's titled The Toyota Engagement Equation. The level one SOM process involves passing a test. We'd often see the same thing at lower levels of Six Sigma or Lean certification, although there's ideally some practical improvement work that's demonstrated and required for those belts to be granted. The higher levels of the SOM process require the demonstration of deeper expertise as shown through blind tastings, demonstrating and simulating proper wine service in a restaurant setting. The master SOM level is extremely difficult to reach. Uh, per Wikipedia, the exam has a pass rate of less than 1%, and it's common for many Psalms to make five or more attempts before finally achieving success. There are currently only 149 people in the world with the Master Psalm designation. Now, both the wine world and the lean community have people who are new to lean. It's pretty common for people to demonstrate the, the quote-unquote Dunning-Kruger effect, where we overestimate our knowledge of something at the beginning of our learning journey. I mean, how often do we hear things like this from somebody who's new to lean? Lean seems so simple, or lean seems just like a bunch of common sense, or we've been doing lean for years, we just don't call it that. 
And there's also the temptation to learn something new and then we wanna tell everybody about it. I've perhaps been guilty of that in my learning about uh, something called motivational interviewing. Um, but here's part of the Wall Street Journal article that prompted this post. It says, Aldo Som, wine director of La Bernadette and co-owner of Aldo Som, it's either pronounced Som or Som, which would be funny considering it's wine. He's the co-owner of Aldo Som Wine Bar in New York. He's seen plenty of newly minted Soms who he considered, quote, almost unhirable, unquote, in their nascent stage. They're often so giddy with knowledge, they tend to lecture, not listen to customers. And yet, quote unquote, the true artistry of the job lies in being able to listen, said Mr. Soam. So are people sometimes so giddy about something new, including Lean, Six Sigma, and motivational interviewing, that we're guilty of pushing an idea or telling people about new tools, whether they're interested or not? It's a bit ironic um, since motivational interviewing, or MI, emphasizes evoking motivations for change instead of telling people why they should change. MI also focuses on being careful about giving advice since it tends to provoke a negative and opposite response. Now, I think this happens a lot with lean tools. Somebody learns about, let's say, 5S, and they want to go push 5S on others, sometimes with disastrous or at least annoying results. At what point in our practice of lean do we get better at being able to listen to the needs of the organization? When do we get better at listening to the people we are helping? True artistry seems to be a good term for somebody who's good at this in the context of lean. MI also emphasizes that coaches should listen more than they speak. Here's a story uh, about uh, a psalm being giddy about something. This is from the Wall Street Journal. The psalm was pushing something they were perhaps giddy about. He related the story of a young psalm who loved a particular red wine from the Jura so much that she persuaded a table of women who liked California wine to try it. The women weren't happy. Mr. Somme intervened with a big, rich California Pinot Noir from Costa Brown that the women all loved. So a good psalm listens to what the customer likes and, or desires and finds something that's likely to be a good fit rather than pushing what they like. I mean, I think the same hopefully is true with a good lean facilitator or change agent. The risk of being giddy is that our excitement gets in the way of progress, which is the exact opposite of what we should be trying to do if our primary goal is helping somebody change. If the goal is to feel good about being an expert, then being giddy might well serve that purpose. Now let's think of a scenario where a manager comes to a lean facilitator looking for help. The manager says, Hi, we've really been struggling with ED patient flow. Our length of stay is too long. Patients are leaving without being seen. I mean, I'm under a lot of pressure to improve, but I don't know if we can do it. And the facilitator says, great, let's do a SIPOC. The manager says, I don't know what that is, but I have a problem to solve. The facilitator says, don't rush to solutions. We have to do a SIPOC first. That's always the first thing we have to do. Have we downloaded the new A3 template? I mean, we need to start with the first boxes of the A3 and then we'll do 5S. My instructor said 5S is always a very important first step. I mean, I, I, after the SIPOC. I mean, we have to go slow to go fast, as they say. And the manager says, uh, wait, what now? I, I, I don't think I have time for this. I, I just have a problem to solve. So it's easy to see where that got off track. Would the facilitator then perhaps blame the manager for not being interested in lean? Blame them for not being committed to change or label them as a bad manager who maybe needs to quote unquote, get off the bus. I'd suggest that giddiness is a natural state of progression in 
the practice of lean or learning anything new. I guess this speaks to the need for good coaches and mentors for those who are practicing lean. So again, if you'd like links to the articles um, and other stuff I've embedded in this post, you can go to leanblog.org audio 220.